the Soren Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Braden, and as always, I am joined by that luscious pineapple down south. His hair is growing back since the last time we've been on the pod. And yes, it is the Alan Pena of, well, not Dallas, but Tyler, Texas. Alan, how are we doing today? <laughs> I'm doing good. Um, I'm doing good. Glad that we're back. Um, it's been a couple weeks where we got to relax, re-energize, um, and also had to re-energize our Wi-Fi, which is very important if we're going to record and and even talk about what's going on in the world of sports, especially on an international scale. So yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to, to be re-energized and, and look forward to whatever, whatever is thrown at us each and every day. No, I think that deserves a bit of this. <laughs> Actually, it does. <laughs> so as you might have noticed, to the listeners out there, we have a few more sounds. We have a soundboard now, so I've been having some fun finding some sounds to put on it um, and use it at appropriate times throughout the podcast. Uh, we might debut some of them today. We might not. Either way, we'll get right into it. But uh, yeah, so it's good to be back. Uh, the last pod we released, Alan, was at the beginning of July, 20 days ago. Can you believe that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And like, uh, three weeks, three weeks ago. Yeah. And a lot has happened in the sports world since then. Uh, and our lives for that matter. We both ended our, our semesters in college. What ended up being my final semester. Uh, yes, I have graduated college now. Uh, don't ask how that happened. I'm st- I still don't know. I've, I got to the point where, you know what? I'm not going to question it and I'm just going to let it happen. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm do- doing and uh, dealing with here. So that's kind of fun. But uh, yeah, so other than that, Alan, a lot has happened in the sports world. It, let's kind of just start with uh, what's going on in the Olympics. We promised the people a lot of Olympic coverage. So let's get right into that. And as you get going, I'm going to fix my camera settings here. Oh, Okay. Well, the Olympics has started, and it's always great to, to showcase the athletes, not just from the U.S., but also to show athletes from around the world where you get to see their stories, you get to see uh, where they come from and what got them into this. So this is just exciting to hear, but it also has come with some, I would say, interesting storylines, interest. Um, even that some, it's like, how will it affect the team or even themselves? And that is something that each year the Olympics does not disappoint when it comes to that. There's always great stories, but there's also stories that it's like, what the heck? Like, no way. Like, so we're going to go into that and, and really just look at it more as a context, like why we're saying this. And this is just our opinions. This is not facts or none of that. This is just how we feel about them and how it can be solved and move, moved on from there. Yeah, I agree. A lot of the storylines we'll talk about today, we're going to hit on the Simone Biles stuff, the goat of gymnastics. Uh, we're going to talk about 
USA bas- men's basketball team being complete duds. And a lot of the other news and storylines, as Alan has mentioned, that's going on in the Olympics. Um, we promised a lot of Olympic coverage. Unfortunately, due to other stuff going on in our lives, we weren't able to go as perhaps as in-depth as we perhaps would have liked, but we got Winter Olympics next year, so we'll uh, redeem ourselves maybe through that. But uh, here's our Olympic coverage. Let's, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with uh, what event? Well, Simone, I think Simone, she's still, it's still a fresh, fresh story, even though it's happening like, what, two, three days ago, but yeah, still being talked recently, so. Still being talked about, I think that would be the perfect place to start. Yeah, let's do it. So for those that maybe haven't been following the Olympics as closely as we have, uh, Simone Biles of Team USA for the gymnastics competition has decided to uh, withdraw her name from competition. And uh, so as far as I know, currently, she's not competing in any events. And there's some fans in the U.S. that's giving her, excuse me, Quite a bit of backlash, unfortunately, which is ridiculous if you ask me. Um, but also, the only thing that I've heard that I'm, I, as far as I've understood it, is she just felt she wasn't in that right mental space to compete. And when it comes to mental health, the fact that she chose to speak out at this particular time is amazing. And to let people know what she's going through at this time is probably one of the best things that she could have done right now. And especially when you have an athlete of that status uh, speaking out, Alan, it, it does something. And we've seen a lot of not just athletes, but fans uh, in the U S and around the world outpour their, their love and their support for this, this young gymnast. Yeah, um, seriously, um, I'll get into my opinion on it because this is a topic where, uh, yes, like mental health is very important. Um, Always supported it and will continue to. And it's just one of those where you hear an athlete go through that. It's like tough, you know, like it's very tough. It also shows the human side, you know, and and really, um, it showed, like, even I heard a, a local report about uh, a, a gymnast watching this, a young gymnast, and she did talk about, like, I think having her doing that, it also makes me think about my health and my mental health especially. And I never thought about that with gymnasts. I've seen it with um, soccer players. I've seen it with basketball players. Gymnasts, though, um, until recently where gymnasts, they go through a lot. They really do. They have to like, they have to train in a certain way. They have to be taken care of in a certain way. And it's just, it's hard. Um, it, it's hard. It's understandable. And, and really even she even had to overcome, uh, a former coach who is now in jail or prison for life of sexual assault. Like she had to overcome that along with several gymnasts. Like they're not easy to overcome, but really I thought this, this news, like, like I said, 
I've been going back and forth with this. And, and I've, the reason why I've said it, it is because, um, yes, mental health is very important. Like you can't survive without it, but I just thought about, okay, like the way she did it, that to me, I was, I kind of, I just did not have a reaction to it. I was just like, is this a good idea? Is this the right way to do it or not? And that to me, like, I'm still going back and forth with that. Yeah, like, I get that. Um, But a tweet that I'm not sure when she posted this, but I saw it on my Twitter feed today. Um, Essentially. Hang on. But essentially, it said something along the lines of until now, she didn't really fully. Uh see herself more than her gymnastic accomplishments and it it wasn't until now that she realized she could do more than just gymnastics which I think in this grand scheme of things perhaps this is the best time for her to realize all that um Alan you mentioned maybe the timing was a little you know off and whatnot but mental health I think is the most important thing and especially when it comes to athletes, like, as you know, with yourself, if you're not in the right space to even get onto the court to perform at your best, your best for your basketball game, whether it's for recreation or not, it's not going to be a good day for you. And when you listen to the fact that the judges and the judges panels were judging her differently than any of the other athletes, which put her at a higher standard, um, and all these different things she had going on, as you mentioned, uh, the scandal going back with the last gymnastics team USA coach and everything, and how that's been in a heavy impact on her too. Like the fact that she's back and she's she's still there supporting her team. She's doing everything she can outside of competing right now to do what she can and show everyone, hey, while I'm not competing, I I'm still there. I'm a team player. And I think that's amazing in and of itself. Yeah, but- and that I'm not disputing that at all. I think really, like, it just like cheering on your teammates, like that to me it shows how the greatest, how great you are. Like, I've seen it like with when Cristiano Ronaldo got injured uh, in the final of the Euros five years ago. Yeah, it was tough, but he was still there. Heck, he was even. And next to the coach, like, giving him other instructions that the coach was like, what are you doing? But he saw things that he, the coach didn't see. It's the same situation. And that I do admire. I do believe had she gone on the back burner and be like, no, I'm not going to be with my teammates. I think the questioning would have been different. Like, I truly do believe she probably would have been a little bit criticized on that aspect, but the fact that she came out to support and still giving encouragement to her teammates, it shows the kind, not just the kind of athlete she is, but the kind of person that she is. And that, that to me was what sealed that. Like, okay, I, I don't have to, I, I can still go back and forth with this, whatever, but 
just her presence alone allowed the team to be calm and finish strong. Get getting silver, getting the silver. Like it, it showed how much she cares. And and be, other people could say what they want. That's their opinion, and and I have no problem with that, even though I disagree. Mm-hmm. But just the mere fact of her being there for her teammates is a must. Was awesome to watch. No, I agree, and it it's though she's gone through a hard time, and mental health is something you can't delay. You have to take care of it. And even if you're on the brightest stage in the world of for your sport, which for gym, gymnasts is the Olympics. Um, my best friend growing up and still to this day, he, uh, he, he was a gymnast for the longest time and he, he loved it. And he loved, you know, the, uh, the doing the flips in front of people and all the attention he got from it and all the accolades that came with it. He was pretty good at, the events he was doing um but to an extent like when he ever and he had some major injuries um i've brought him up before he he's the one that had his an achilles rupture or tear or something along those lines in a similar to what kd had Mm -hmm. and he he went through a hard time throughout all that and it was it was hard to watch and at sometimes because you know he, he wanted so badly to be out there to do his sport, what he knew he was good at. And um, <clears throat> like it took him a while to realize, you know, there's more to life than just this sport. And I think whenever an athlete or anybody can realize there's more to what I'm doing and more to what I'm capable of than just the sport that I'm playing or just, you know, this, drawing on completing or whatever it is you're doing whenever you can uh realize there's more to it than that i think that puts makes you if you're an athlete an even better competitor and it allows you to take a step back analyze things way differently than you normally normally would otherwise and see 10 times more success i think and when simone comes back I think she'll be even better than she was before. And honestly, I think that's probably the best thing for her to be doing right now is taking this break, support her team and being there to rally on others and take care of herself in this way. Um, I think that's going to make her better than before. So, okay. Yeah. I I do agree with everything you say. However, I'm going to ask you this question and, I think, I don't know if no one has been talking about it, but I think this might be legitimate. What if, this is just a hypothetical. Mm-hmm. What if that happens again and she compete, she competes and then that happens again? Then what? I, I think that's a fair question to ask. And it's a question all of us what should ask of ourselves if we're in that moment. Um, I can't, nor will I speak for her on what she should do, but might I suggest she re- reevaluate whether or not she continues competing at that point. Um, I'm not going to speak for her. That's not my place. I'm not even going to suggest that's what she does. 
But if it were me in that position, that's probably what I would be doing. Um, I would reevaluate whether or not I should keep going. You know, I know I would have a lot left in me to prove and a lot left in my proverbial tank, so to speak, to perform and at that high level and be there. But if I can't, don't feel I have it in me when time push comes to shove, then I'd reevaluate whether or not I should be doing this to, at this level. And honestly, like, <clears throat> I think, I don't think it's going to come to that, but I can see her necessarily maybe taking a step back after the games, relaxing for a little bit, maybe having a vacation. And then when she comes back to compete, she'll be mentally refreshed, uh, physically refreshed, and she'll be able to compete at a much higher level than she ever has before. And we'll see more, more things out of her. I think every great athlete has that moment where they need to take a step back and reevaluate some things in their lives and just see how they can do and what they can do. And I don't know how to say this, but like realign themselves with themselves again. I don't even know if that makes sense, but like, retune themselves back to who they feel they are and if that's what she needs to do then that's what she needs to do but at the same time i'm not her i don't know what she needs right now okay because you're you're right like this is something i think we we have to talk about like if this happens again and like we're not here to speak for her no one is only she can speak for herself and and that will be a question she'll probably will answer once it happens, like if it if it comes down to it again. But for now, all we can do is just, okay, if that's the route she's going, even though, like I mentioned, how was it done? Um, you can go – I could probably go back and forth in it. Uh, so a lot of people can go back and forth with it. That's no problem. We live in a world where it's okay to go back and forth and think about this. But all we can do just lend support, like just show, hey – mental health like keep spreading awareness on it and and move forward with it yeah and this isn't we'll get into hockey stuff later we still gotta re re-record our uh nhl finals recap due to some corrupted audio and and whatnot but uh yesterday was nhl free agency day and there was a major trade from vegas that happened and Robin Leonard of the Vegas Golden Knights came out and posted a tweet on Twitter along something along the lines of I deal with bipolar, like I'm a hockey player and like with you guys is I've been like ridiculed and misunderstood many times, but with the fans and teammates and organization at my side, I know I can do anything. And the outpour of support and retweets with fans saying similar things like, I'm telling him, dude, you're a hero. You, you've inspired me. Like, I, I would not believe or I would not doubt that a lot of this has been going on with Simone Biles too. And I think that's really helped her. And I think it's amazing for everybody to know, hey, I've inspired someone. I've helped someone change their lives for the better because of something I do or can do. And whether it's, uh, Robin Leonard, goaltender for the for the Las Vegas Golden Knights, or Simone Biles, perhaps the greatest gymnast of our our time. 
on Team USA taking a step back and telling people, hey, I'm dealing with this mental health stuff or the Japanese tennis player who who did a similar thing a few months ago. Like athletes deal with this kind of stuff too, just like we do. They're they're human beings like we all are. And they're they might be in peak physical form and peak physical health and condition, but that mind, it it's brutal. Mental health is so brutal. And if they can take a step back and deal with it and realize, hey, and have the fans of a whole nation rally behind them and show them, hey, like, you've inspired me to do this. You've helped me do this. I think that is what we should be doing right now instead of ridiculing her for all these different things. Like, let's take it back to a different sport. Like, I'm nowhere, no one to speak on football for Americans. Uh, but let's take it to baseball. Um, like Mike Trout, like Mike Trout, let's say he, cause he's the best player in all of baseball currently. No one would doubt that. No one would dispute that really. What if he were to take a step back for a few minutes and says that he, he's struggling with some mental health stuff. What, what would be the nation's reaction to that? I wonder, would it be ridiculed? Would it, be love and support like what Simone's gotten Alan what do you think about that that is tough seriously um just hearing that you know I think we we not I think we live in a world where there's no congruence you know there nothing is congruent anymore and the reason why I say that is because um we know uh, we all like we've been ta- it's been talked about about women's sports wanting to be accepted like wanting to be accepted like hey watch us like we also can play and all of that but also it's like you criti- like you criticize like in the male perform- dominant sports or like in when when guys play like they make a mistake or something they're going to get criticized. It comes with it. That It's part of it. No, I agree. Women, yeah, they're playing well and all, but if they make a mistake, then they're like, but don't criticize us at all. And I'm just like, uh, then where does the sports journalism come in? Like, if you make a mistake, we have to mention this. Mm-hmm. And I think that in Mike Trout's case, like, depending on the situation, like I said, how he did it, that will be the case. And I just feel that, and I'm also saying this from this side as well, because we got, we got to show both ways that we have, like, if someone makes a mistake, like either male or female, that cost the game, that changed the game, we have to talk about it. We have to mention it. And I know it's tough. You don't want to hear it. It brings people down. That I would say, and to the athlete, I would say, you don't want to listen to it? Then don't tune in. That's it. I know athletes that they don't watch none of that. They don't watch talk shows at all just because for some, it does bring them down. For others, there's some that will use it for motivation, but I would say in the, for the sports journalistic world, 
to and to the athletes hey like just take it you know like it's i know it's tough but just take it and that's why i think that's how like the woman's sport will grow like you're gonna get criticized for something for a mistake you did on the field move forward and i believe that's how they're gonna get accepted the more they avoid the criticism, and I'm saying this because I read a post from um, a renowned sports talk show host. He he said he basically. Um, let me paraphrase. Let me let me. I'm trying to see if I can. This is his quote, and I quote: Gener- "Generally, we don't have any sort of critique for our female sports teams. In one hand, you want to be viewed." treated and compensated at the same the same as the men but on the other hand whatever you do just don't be critical of us because that's not a space we like to live in right that that to me is like you are in the space you have to accept it you have to deal with it and i believe that's how they're going to move forward No, I can agree with that. Um, like criticism, it 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 comes with the role of an athlete. If and while I recognize that criticism is part of it, I think honestly, part of why I wanted to start this, Alan, this podcast, this company that we're trying to build, um, is because I think sometimes we're too. Uh, how do I put this? Sports journalists, they tend to focus more on the criticism and criticize the athlete more than the buildup. They, um, they, they don't focus on the good that these athletes are doing so often. And there's so much good that these athletes are capable of and that they do. But so often in sports journalism, do we see talk show hosts and, and other things and other sports journalists just criticize and um and i think it's it's a shame and it it really shouldn't be a part of sports it shouldn't be a part of sports journalism but i get it it comes with the job and i get it comes with the sport you know like uh part of why i stopped competing in high school with track and field was i hated uh, the coach of my team. Um, he uh, played favorites. He rewarded his favorites. And if you weren't one of his favorites and you didn't get rewards that you rightly deserved. And now that was just one coach, but I've seen so many journalists, they do the same thing. They'll play favorites. And if, and when you're from a mid to small market sports region and all you hear is, the media go for baseball, oh, Yankees this, Red Sox that, Dodgers this, Dodgers that. You go, okay, but what about my team? And then when they only talk about your team in the negative way, it, it bothers you. And so I think there needs to be a balance, but I think also we need to focus on the good that these athletes and teams are capable of and what they're doing. Alan, what mm-hmm. are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, that's... Uh, you got to bring it both ways. Seriously. Nice. Yeah, both ways. And that's how you will be accepted. And, and whether you are male or female, 
team or individual, like you gotta take it both ways. Cause in in the world of sports journalism, like you'll get the praise and you'll get the criticism as well. So you have to accept it both ways. And we've seen what happens when you don't do that. And they athletes have become when they decide to take that route, not accept it and or only accept the praise, but not the the heat. Then when the pressure is on, then it just they just fall fall flat. Right. No, there there's a lot to that too. So I'm not gonna I won't dispute that, but you know. I think in, in for future stuff, we'll, I'll leave more of the criticism stuff to you because I personally, I just don't like it. These athletes, like I understand it's part of the gig, you know, and I'm not afraid to lend my voice and criticize something when I feel it necessary. But so often in sports journalism, do I feel that journalists focus and criticize more than they praise and recognize what's going well with teams and with athletes that that needs to be talked about more? Yeah that i can see that i see that as well so i i think there's no easy way to transition out of this particular topic but um last i saw the medal standings u.s leads with 25 medals that's probably increased by the day um they got silver in the u.s or in the women's softball tournament which was amazing um i caught like five innings of the game their group stage game versus italy Mm-hmm. And that was exciting to watch. Um, Alan, what's your whole thought process? How have you been watching the games? Because I've heard from a lot of people, like, well, I haven't been in depth as much as I would have liked. Like, turns out, even if I wanted to be, you couldn't be as in depth as you probably would have liked because it's so hard to find these yeah. games because they're all on NBC's streaming service, Peacock. And not everyone wants to buy that. They, they're like, I already pay for this Hulu Live TV subscription, which includes NBC and the Olympic channel. Put more of the stuff on that. And yet they're putting it all on this their own streaming service. So it's like, essentially, streaming services, in my opinion, have gone way out of hand and have become the cable of our, our youth, Alan. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> well, um. Well, for me, um, we had to wait a couple of days to get our Wi-Fi back. So we had to use NBC. Uh, we used Telemundo as well for the Spanish broadcasting, which hasn't been bad. But now with the Wi-Fi back, we've been able to expand, you know, like watching like on CNBC, uh, we watched rowing, the woman's rowing. I was like, whoa, I've never seen rowing before. So it was fun to watch rowing, um, the swimming has just been dominating all over the place. Just watching guys like, uh, or like people like Katie Ledecky there, uh, Caleb uh, what, Dress, Dreckel, something like I, I don't, something you like probably that. know who I'm talking about, but it's, but watching him and all the swimming, all the swimming has just been dominant, dominant, dominate. And, and even, even as well, like, for the first time now, I got to see a basketball game that does not involve Team USA. And I would say um, to listen to viewers, 
to watch a basketball game, not Team USA. Like, like I did today, I watched Spain and Argentina. Those two faced off in the 2019 FIBA World Championships. And it, it was pretty good until the fourth quarter. And that especially, well, at the end of, by the third quarter, it kind of blew open just because uh, Argentina's Facundo Campaso and plays for the Nuggets got in foul trouble. And that opened the game up. And But seriously, games that are, do not involve Team USA, they're actually, to me, way better just because you'll see this different styles. You see what international basketball really is. And, and it's really like coming off the bench, even from an international perspective. Like if you're playing for your national team, it's like, oh, yeah, I'll come off the bench. No problem. And that it just shows that it's not it's not about, oh, the individual, but the team. And that to me still still resonated for me. I think I would re I believe I would recommend that to just watch like an international game. Like, yeah, like you can watch the team USA. It's always great to watch, but watching an international basketball game that does not involve team USA you will you will be amazed at the at the style the the drive and also don't worry there are NBA players there and that you'll get to see them in a different light that probably at times you don't see when they are with their NBA teams no I agree and honestly like I think this international plays pure basketball basketball that you know, probably our parents grew up watching, maybe less physical to that as, you know, the Detroit Pistons of the 90s. Man. <laughs> but yeah. but there's physical, there is physicality. But it's more physical, and you can't necessarily flop and draw those fouls that we see so many NBA players do today. And I think that's been part of Team USA's problem, as, as well as the fact that, honestly, I don't think they're playing as a team. And they're not... They, they need Herb Brooks coaching, coaching Team USA basketball right now. <laughs> uh, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Is there a way we could get him? Um, I know well, he's he a passed away. Guy. Oh, but well, never mind. But, like, they need they need that type of coach. And I don't think uh, the current coach, like Popovich, I think is his Greg name. Popovich. Yeah, I don't think Popovich is bringing them together as a team. Well, and, here's the thing, though. They – they bounce back, yes, all great. But, like, to me, what I'm seeing from Team USA in their loss, and I think this might be their downfall, is you, you mentioned they're not playing like a team. But two things for me, and I've seen, and this is not the first time we have seen this. What killed, number one, you mentioned it, they're not playing as a team. Like everybody, they're they're you like you name them, probably except for Draymond. But everybody on that team are number one guys in their perspective NBA teams. If you look down the roster, they're all number one guys. They're not used to oh I need a role here or there. I think and and number two, they need leadership. They don't have the Jason Kidd 
They don't have the Chris Paul or Darren Williams. They don't have someone who could bring a team together, bring the team together. Hey, we need to start playing well. They don't have it. They, they could have had Trey Young and he would have been perfect. But they decided not to get him. And, and they could have, no problem. He has leadership qualities. But I think the true leader from that team, and he has to show it, will have to be Drew Holiday. I think he's the one guy. He brings, he has a championship recently with the Bucks. But he needs to get it, get in, get find a way to show, hey, we need to start playing for real. Because these guys, they saw what, what France did. That could happen to them again. Oh, and it's going to. And if they don't find a way, I and, and I'm gonna say this, I don't think they're not gonna meddle. No, I don't think so either. And they keep this up. No, I agree. And I don't think it's gonna change. I don't see from what I'm hearing and what I've seen in replays and whatnot, I don't think they're gonna meddle. I don't think they have it in them to turn turn this around and play start playing as a unit um in my opinion the team was assembled quite poorly um as you mentioned if they're all ones who who's going to be the two three you know the four yeah they don't have and here and here's the thing if they here's if they play slovenia oh guess who slovenia has on that team oh it's Luka Doncic. Exactly. And look at Doncic. He put up 50 points in a almost 50 game. against Argentina. And like that's like NBA numbers, but in an international game. Pretty so, much. And KD, he's probably perhaps the best player on Team USA. He put up 10 in their loss against France. I'm sorry, but if you're the best, arguably one of the best players on your team, you got to do more than put up 10 measly points in order to come away with the win. And no one else had more than like five points on Team USA. And yeah, we're Americans, and so we're ridiculing Team USA here. But like, we'd ridicule any team that's performing that badly. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I'm about to say. I'm glad you mentioned it. Like, yeah, we're, we support Team USA and all. But also what I've learned, and basically what I've learned through watching the Mexican, some of, several members of the Mexican media press when it comes to talking about the national team when they're playing poorly hey they're gonna come at you and here's the same thing if you're not playing well we're gonna come at you and and that to me is like great to hear like i know it's just one game they got another they beat iran hopefully they can use that to move forward do i want to see the medal yes i do want to see them get the gold but if they don't it's going to be 04 again Greg Popovich was on that staff when they got bronze. So it'll be like, are you kidding me again? So if this happens again, I think Team USA, like, and they just had a new director of, of USA basketball in Grant Hill, his first job will have to be get a deep cleanup of Team USA, like reef infrastructure it again how it happened when they lost in Athens I if that I think it's gonna happen get a deep cleanup and I don't think Greg Popovich 
is not going to come back and coach another world championship or Olympics. As much as I hate to say it, I, I, I agree. But the reason why I hate to say it is we can't have three dream team 3.0. It, it's just basketball is an American game. It's second to baseball in American games and football. If you can't perform this well, it, it shows that you're not willing to learn from others. That's the biggest criticism I've heard all Olympic run by this Team USA. I've been listening to a lot of basketball podcasts and pe- people that are much more knowledgeable in basketball than I am. And Alan, that's why when you sent the post of Team USA or Team EU, I went EU. Because the USA team and players, they're too stubborn to, re- to recognize that these international stars are doing great things. In fact, Jokic, arguably the MVP, well, he is the MVP, but he's arguably going to do it again next year. We don't know yet because we haven't played the games, but he has that chance, right? Would the US, would the NBA media and NBA players recognize him for it? Or would they eject him out of the game like they did last time? If that was LeBron or Kevin Durant or Steph Curry, Trey Young, if it was any other American-born MVP, they don't get ejected from that playoff game. You can't convince me otherwise. Yeah. Just the way the NBA is going right now. Like, Jonas Attentacumpo, he has two MVPs, Defensive Player of the Year, Finals MVP, Finals Championship, and only now is American media recognizing him as one of the greatest players in the game right now. And that's despicable. The guy has two back-to-back MVPs. Like, he's one of the greatest players in the game right now. He's doing great things. And the fact that he won the championship the hard way (laughs) (laughs) is amazing. He said it in his press conference. He could have gone to some super team, but that's too easy. I think he's kind of throwing shade at LeBron there, if you're going to ask me. But, uh... But in all honesty, like he did it the hard way. And only now is he getting that acceptance into the sport. What's it going to take for these American players to realize there's something we can learn here? Luka Doncic, it's proven multiple times that he's one of the best scorers in the game right now. Nikola Jokic is drawing comparisons to Larry Bird. What's it going to take for these EU stars to get the recognition that they rightfully deserve in this. To, I think they, they're starting to get it. They, they are, I think to, for like the U S to start recognize it, like for the national team, they're going to have to, they're going to have to learn the hard way when they lose. And that's, that's always sad, but that's just reality. They learn the hard way when they lose, especially when they're out of, they're out of it. I, I believe 2019, they should have learned that. They should have. But I don't really have – I thought KD was like, oh, I've been – this is my third Olympics. I got I to gotta step it up. Instead, um, you mentioned it, 10 points. I think this time I didn't know how much he had against Iran. But he has to show, bring that leadership. Like, hey, like we are Team USA. Let's show them how you play basketball. And instead, like like I mentioned, all number one guys all want the ball. And and part of it, COVID, like we can 
but that's everybody's deal, you know. But they got time. They they got the Czech Republic next. We'll see what that that happens, and then you got the knockout stages, and from there, like like I mentioned, I do want to see them get the gold, but to me, I don't think they won't medal. I think. The gold medalist I am looking at is in Spain. They uh, like really how they play is great. And I think we we need to do a hopefully if there's a way we can do an episode on basketball in Spain, just like we did with Serbia. And because bas- because how they're taught there and their league, the ACB after the NBA is one of the best. You could say it's kind of like triple A. Triple A baseball, cl- or close to the majors, you can you can make that comparison. So, to me, Spain will be the favorites, or Australia, or even France. I say those three teams have a shot at getting the gold. Yeah, I agree. I don't think, and what's sad is I don't think America really cares if they medal in basketball. I don't think the American fan base cares. I heard that take somewhere else, and I was like, you know what? That's right. Like, we care more about, you know, the league championship than we do about world championships. Like, when it comes to the Olympics, Alan, how many times do American fans, you think, sit down to watch the softball tournament, the baseball tournament, the soccer, the basketball, versus, you know, the gymnastics, the the swimming, the diving, ah. water polo, all those more, uh, all those sports, the track and field, all the sports that are essentially at the highest level of championship for their respective sport. I'd say it's all of them. You get the odd few that, like us, that'll watch the other sports because we are just sports fans who love to watch sports. Yeah. But like, does the general public really care that we got the silver in the softball tournament? Would it care if we got the gold in the baseball tournament? I don't think so. Yeah. And that's sad. Yeah, it is. I think even if, I think swimming, a lot of people do care. Like they tune in. Uh, but you're right. I, I do agree. And and it's, it's just like you're missing out. There's there's more, and and really even even watching like like another sport I watched skateboarding. Like we had someone the first ever skateboarding. We had someone from the U.S. went silver, and I'm like, hey, that's not bad skateboarding. Like, and the skateboard and the first gold medalist was Japanese. So it's like, hey, like skateboarding. It was. It was great watching skateboarding. Like it kind of, kind of brought back a little childhood, like just a little bit, like, cause there was a time I played the Tony Hawk games, all of that. So, so yeah, that was great. I think people should tune in to that and, and watch because there's more to this. And really that's what the Olympics does. You can see a lot of things and, and really connect with the athlete. I agree. And I, that's what I like about NBC's coverage. While we dinged them earlier, 
like MEC does go in depth on athletes. And during the softball tournament, they went in depth on uh, one of the pitchers who plays in Japan currently as a pro. And Mm -hmm. I think that's amazing. And she loves it there. She loves playing there. And she's now on Team USA for softball once again. And she talked about how much it meant to her. I love that. But you also got to give us coverage to the games. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) That that deserves a... For NBC there. (laughs) But uh, but yeah, you know it, it it it's really ridiculous that this is even a thing. Um, that so much of America doesn't care about this international play as much as it it really should. For me, international play, whether no matter what the sport, it brings out the best of that particular sport. We talked about the World Baseball Classic. That's probably the best baseball you'll ever watch. And honestly, that's why we need pro baseball players in, in the baseball tournament. Come on. <laughs> and we'll get into that. We'll, we'll probably, I would say, the end of the Olympics. We'll get into that, see how baseball could join in. Because I think next Olympics, it's not going to be there. That's what I've heard. What I've heard. I could be wrong. Maybe the IOC will change it, but I doubt that. But that will be something we'll, we'll talk about at the end of the, at the closing of the Olympics, like that would be a yeah. topic that will be worth talking about. And, and really that I think people should start getting interested in that. I agree. And honestly, if I was at IOC, I'd look at it like this. I are, we already let NHL players, NBA players, uh, WNBA players. What other leagues do they let for like, we let FIFA players, yeah, just some. You you can only have three over right. there, 20, there's rules every all of it, but like for basketball and soccer and like all this, like the women's soccer team is the same women's soccer team that competes for the World Cup every four years. So if we're at IOC already let doing that, why what do we have against MLB players? that we'll go more in depth on that when we talk about it towards the closing of the Olympics, but that that's pretty much my, my whole stance on all that. Cause like how many more fans would you get all across the world tuning into that tournament? If you could watch Mike Trout go for a gold medal or Christian Yelich, Cody Ballinger, there's your outfield. Um, Nolan Arenado, Chris Bryant, uh, Trey Turner, uh, Second baseman. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, Jack Flaherty, uh, Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, Sean Doolittle, all these stars of our game of baseball. How much more do you think we fans would tune in to those games? Your viewership numbers would go. Like, I have no doubt about it. You can't change my mind. But we'll, like I said, we'll go more in depth on that. I'll prepare a lineup of the of five starting pitchers, the nine relievers, and the five bench and the nine starters for a team for Team USA and, and what it should be, in my opinion, when we cover that. Alan, you should do Team Mexico or whatnot. 
Yeah, I'll try for Mexico. I'll try. It's not easy, but I'll try. Yeah, it's a lot easier for uh, Team USA. <laughs> or probably the Dominican Republic. Or yeah, or you you could take any of those Latin countries. Just yeah. Because, like, there's so many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, in all honesty, that's if you want more viewership for the Olympics, for those tournaments in specific, let the pros play. Bring that level of competition to your game and your tournament. And, you know, we'll, yeah. but like, we'll get into that. We'll get we'll, into we'll, that. That's a we'll debate that, that's waiting to happen. Because <laughs> <laughs> if we already let pros play for other sports in the Olympics, why not baseball and softball? Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember her first name, but uh, I want to say it's Julie. Julie Finch. Imagine her on the U- Team USA for softball. Like, dang. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, let's we'll go into that. Alan, I'm, what do you think of this whole Marc Andre Fleury trade with the Vegas Golden Knights? We're going to kind of stop the Olympic discussion because there's not a whole lot more we can talk about right now, I don't think, unless you got something. Well, pretty much, um, like I said, I think Vegas should have done a better job. And if they were going to trade him, like, hey, we want someone promising, like get a, like a two or three prospects, big-time prospects that the Blackhawks have. But didn't happen. I think to me um, – Marc-Andre Fleury will not be a Blackhawk for long. I think he, he like, he, he there's reports about they're going to trade him to Pittsburgh, which I really do believe, like, he was big time for them for a long time, and, and that will catapult Pittsburgh. Like, some say oh, the old age is not the same, but he still has, he still Plays very well, and I think really, like, it's sad because he's been the heart and soul of the Knights. He won't be in Chicago for long. I think Chicago, they are they're getting into a point where they are in full rebuild mode. They're not the same from the days when they won the two Stanley Cups and made, I think, three appearances during that time. I think those days are over, and they're, they're going to be in rebuild mode pretty much, pretty much, I would say, starting this season. Oh, I agree. And we try to work it out for having Braden Toro for this part in this segment of the pod, but didn't work out scheduling. But my thought process is this. I don't care, Alan, you, you brought this up in a different episode. But the guy found out through Twitter that he'd been traded. He knew discussions were happening. He knew... Uh, they were talking about trading him, but as yeah, far as we knew, nothing was finalized. He found out on Twitter. Like, say what you will about the fans and the team. The organization of the Vegas Golden Knights is perhaps one of the worst organizations in all of hockey. Um, when they did the expansion draft, the social media team uh, really played into the fact that they were still taking taking fan favorite players from all over the league. And they really ruffled a lot of feathers, feathers doing that. Um, 
they also, you know, there, there's a whole lot of stuff that is not to like about the organization of the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, that being said, the fans and the team itself, wonderful. Love the, love the team, love the players, love the fan base that of parts of it that I've interacted with anyways. Um, and overall, it's a great, great team. Obviously, great run team with how can in that big of a contender they are. Um, great fan base, but management and organizationally, they suck. You can't tell me otherwise. You can't trade your. This goes back to the Arenado trade for me, Alan. I got major triggered because of this. Like, I don't care what team you are you don't trade your best player away you don't trade the heart and soul of your franchise away or you don't let them escape and luckily for me the avalanche resigned gabriel nanda school and we retained our heart and soul i'd be in a lot different place hockey wise if landa uh, school wasn't still on the team <laughs> okay but what you say if they were gonna trade hit like hit trade a player like that, would you be like, okay, if we're going to trade them, then we need the whole package. Depends on what you say by the whole package. Like but- meaning, okay, we, we want your starter. We want, we want three starters. We want three first round picks. And, and I would say this hypothetically, we even want 10% of your ownership or 25% of it. Yeah. Then, then would you do that? No. I don't care. You can't trade the face of your franchise. Really? Even if you're facing your franchise, it's demanding a trade. If you're the owner of that franchise, sit down with that player, figure out why they want to trade. Figure out what they want that would make them happy. Well, they said they want to rebuild. They want a championship team, but obviously, like, the owner's like, no, I can't do that for you. Why not? Because it, it does happen. Just, like... Why, Alan? Why can't they get that championship team? Why? Yeah. Some of it has to do with salary cap. Okay, yeah, I get the salary cap in place, but some of it has to do salary cap, or even the owner likes to be cheap. Like I can, I understand all that, right? But if you're an owner and you have a team and you're cheap and you're not willing to put a competitive product, a winning product for your fan base, for your team, you shouldn't be an owner. I'm sorry. Like, you just shouldn't. Like, Alan, this goes back to the Arenado trade. Like, I'm, I'm bringing this up, but, like, honestly, if you trade – the guy was making $7.5 million, sure. I'm sure he would have – he wanted to stay in Vegas. He wanted to stay in Vegas. That's all he was saying. Renegotiate that contract with him, see if he'll take a lower salary than $7.5 million against your cap. It's not that hard. I'm sure he would have done it. Yeah, I know. I know that. Like, I know that. I know that. I'm just saying, if that were to happen, then, and that's what, and he does want to leave, then what would you give up? Like, hey, what are you, this is what we want. What would you get? So, okay, I would never do it regardless because. But if it does, that you have no choice. I'm whacked into a corner and I have no other choice. I'd either buy the guy out and let him go sign where he wants to sign because 
you know, he still makes his money. And then I still have the cat space to go and get a suitable replacement that I probably wouldn't get through trade. Or if I have to trade, I'd ask for the highest price possible. I'd want the starter uh, of that team, like the goaltending starter, um, three or four prospects, two or three NHL players. Like I'd want a King's ransom for that guy. Okay. And- there you go. There you go. Now but would I get talking. that? No, no team would be willing to give that. <laughs> well, because they know it. Like in the NBA, if a player demands a trade, well, guess what? They're gonna trade him. They're gonna trade him pretty much. That's how it. That's how it works in the NBA. No, like we've seen that with James Harden. We've seen that with Anthony Davis. Drew Holiday. I would even mention if they want to get traded. Okay, boom. Let's make it quick. Because the more you keep them. Um, you'll get less for him. I get the whole trade value argument and all of that. Like, I get all that for sure. Um, And whatnot, but... And while I'm all for player empowerment, giving power to the players, I'm all for that. Like, so don't misunderstand what I'm saying, everybody. But the guy... Is the heart and soul of your franchise. He's prop. If you know Mark Stone wasn't the captain, my second guess was it would have been Flurry. I don't know if you can have a goaltender be a captain. Honestly, I don't know how captaincy in hockey works. Usually, it's a forward or a defenseman. I've never seen a goaltender be a captain or an alternate. So I don't know how that works, and I'm not going to say I know how that works because I don't yet. But if he's the heart and soul of your locker room. And he just won the Vesna trophy, like the best goalie in the league of last year. How can you rationalize trading him away? Even when he's telling you, I don't want to go. If you're worried about the cap, renegotiate his contract, trade some other high cap hits. Like, I don't know. Like, but definitely don't let the guy find out he's traded via Twitter. I know that. Yes, I that I know. Oh, and I think that's that's the art. <laughs> Nobody does anymore. We renegotiate, and that is just take it or leave it because they want to move fast, 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 and that's not the way you do it. Like you have, if you don't like it, hey, let's renegotiate, come up with a compromise, and done. And then we can focus on okay, regular season, get myself ready for another run, and try to bring bring Lord Stanley to Vegas, but that's, I think, I guess that's the sports world we live in. Like, we cannot renegotiate instead. We got to do this fast, fast, fast. Which makes no sense to me. Like, why don't more players do the whole Bobby Bonilla thing and defer half their contracts to later payouts? Bobby Bonilla makes, like, what, $1.5 million at a certain day every July? Yeah. Like, 2040? Like, if that's not the sport smartest contract ever, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, dumb on the part of the Mets, but you know, Mets gonna met Mets, but like for Mania, best contract he could have ever had. He's not playing and so gets paid a million and a half dollars every summer. In fact, yep. it's a whole Mets holiday, Bobby Benia Day. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, why don't I don't more play like I organizations are smarter, sure. But 
why have we gone into the area of players saying, don't trade me, do everything you can not to trade me. I'm happy here. Why don't GMs go, okay, he has a lot of money he's making. It's hurting our cap space. Let's see if we can renegotiate this contract. I'm sure he would have loved to renegotiate the, his uh, salary and take a lower price just to stay in Vegas. No, I'm sure he would have wanted his, his worth and what and get paid what he feels he's worth. But if he wants to stay in Vegas, he probably would have taken a, price, a salary cut. Tom Brady did it all the time. And I think a lot of athletes on contenders are more than likely willing to take a pay cut and a pay increase just to keep the team around them. So I don't know. I don't know what's the right way to do it. All I know is you don't trade the face of your franchise, even when they're unhappy. Cause to me, that says you're choosing management over your, your winning product of your fan base. You're just choosing your guy in management over your product on the on the ice on the court on the field what have you and i don't stand for that alan i'll never stand for that and to not let the guy know he's been traded is despicable man you can't do that you brought it up in another episode and it's yeah. with me ever since and you just can't do yeah. that like the agent hadn't even had a chance to call him before he knew on Twitter. Like, okay. And this brings in a whole nother thing with sports insiders that I have against them. Like the whole, um, once I have breaking news, I got to break it. Like if you're that sports insider, who's got the breaking news, contact your sources and see if the players found out. First, before you let everybody else in the fan in the fan world or hockey world know, like, sure, you want to be the one to break it and get that credit because that gets you a little more money in your pocket. I get that. But make sure from your sources that you got this information that the player knows. Because otherwise, I don't think this problem will stop. I think more players are going to find out through Twitter than through their people and their organization. And that's wrong. I'm sorry, but that is yeah. just flat out wrong. You could thank social media for that. Where it's like, oh, let me just tweet this at social media. That he's gotten traded. And voila, that's what happened. And here's the worst thing about it for me. They got nothing back, man. The goaltender prospect, the only thing they have on him is the contract rights. He's not even in the Vegas Silver Knights or AHL team. He's still in Chicago. Like, you just gave Chicago your Vesna winning goalie and got nothing in return. Now, yeah. if Chicago had a bit better team, I'd say Chicago's got a great contender and no one with Marc-Andre Fleury's feelings. About all this, he'd probably push him to win the Stanley Cup if he were to stay. <laughs> the revenge tour of the flower begins. <laughs> but he yeah. also retired. We don't know yet. Yeah, but like I mentioned, I think if he's going to play somewhere, it won't be in Chicago. He's not. He's, he won't stay there long. They're, they will. They're, they're in a rebuild process now. 
Mm-hmm. So I think Mark Andre Fleury is going to go back to Pittsburgh and pretty much package him in a deal where they probably won't have to give up a lot. They might have to give up a bit more than than uh, they did to get him because, you know, Pittsburgh's going to want a bit more or Chicago might want a bit more because I recognize the talent. But uh, <laughs> I don't care what organization it is. Have the decency to at least talk to the guy before you make a trade like that or see if you'd be wanting to take less salary in order to stay with mm-hmm. the team if you're up against the cap. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of the end of that rant on it. Like, I would have loved to get Toro in here for his thoughts on all this, and maybe we can get that when we uh, do make a few announcements here shortly of what we got coming through Pineapple 22 Media. But, like, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. But, Alan, as I think it's time we kind of wrap things up. We've been going for a while. Um Free agency and NHL has been wild. Uh, We'll cover that tomorrow along with giving our Euro 2020 recap along with the Stanley Cup recap that has been promised. Unfortunately, we had Wi-Fi problems. We had audio corruption problems. We just had a lot of technological problems recently. So uh, please uh, bear with us as we got it all fixed. And uh, what are some final thoughts you got here, Alan? Well, my final thoughts of all what we talked about is – uh, yes, num- number one, mental health. Uh, get it taken care of. Number two, um, I would say show like international basketball is real and it has to be embraced every time. Number three, um, well, we just um, basically accept the criticism and the positives. you got to accept both ways and move forward. Number four, you mentioned that don't trade your best player, but if you have to and the player demands it, then you do it in a way where the player knows first, then everybody else. And I have no problem if, if we're the everybody else that knows last. And that is no problem at all for me. Mm-hmm. My final thoughts and then we'll make the announcements and do our usual ending of the pod is one don't sacrifice mental health for your future or what you can accomplish now. Um, We so often forget the emphasis we need to place on mental health and we got to make sure we take care of ourselves physically and mentally. Uh, Number two, let the pros play. (laughs) We'll, we'll get in. That, that gives a preview for our final Olympic coverage. So uh, that's why I include that. Um, number three, and I'll just end it on this while I start the outro music here in a sec, but don't trade the face of your franchise away and get nothing in return. You can't do that. And honestly, try and fix the relationship before you trade the player. Now, I get players, sometimes they're not going to want to sit down and talk. Like, I get that. Um, anyone who's followed football this summer knows the whole Aaron Rodgers situation. Um, Green Bay, I don't think he's staying there past another season, so enjoy it while it lasts. Um, but, yeah. So, if you honestly want 
as an organization to keep your best players there, talk with them, work things out, and don't let it get to a point where they want out and there's no reparations that can be made. But that's my final thoughts. Alan, let's make some announcements. Okay. Well, um, some of the episodes we'll have coming up, one of them, just mentioning, Brandon mentioned it, will be Olympics and Major League Baseball. Will it, ha- will it happen? And if it does, how it should happen and our takes on it on why it should happen. Then also we would we will have another recap of the Stanley Cup final through the de- technical difficulties. We also will break down, we'll do a review of the final of the Euros that Italy won. We will also do a review of the NBA finals with the Bucks winning their first title since 1971. We'll break that down. What does it mean for Giannis winning the title and and for the city of Milwaukee? We'll break that down. Uh, if you haven't listened to the rest of our episodes we've got, listen to us. We're on Spotify, Apple. Heck, I did see that we are on Google and Amazon. So you can go ahead and check us out. No problem. Anytime. Subscribe to us. We're also on YouTube. Just hit the subscribe button under Pineapple 22 Media. Our YouTube and... content's about to blow up with all the time I'll have now, so stay tuned for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we have a lot of ground to cover, but don't worry. One step at a time, we're always there for you, and we're always there to keep you positive and to really keep thinking about these athletes from an international scale with a context that brings both sides together and an open conversation. All right. Now I got 55 seconds for my uh, brief uh, announcements. Guys, we got new pods in the works for you. If you like college sports and college football, uh, we're still deciding on the name. We've let the fans decide that. But Braden Toro and our very own Pineapple Down South, Alan Pena, are going to start talking about college football and other college sports. Tune into that. Um, and uh, let me turn down the volume as it goes up. But uh, we also got Soren Beginnings, the origin story of Pineapple 22 Media. We got Soren Pucks with coming out with, we'll have all three of us, Braden, Toro, myself, and Alan hosting Hoops with us. And we're going to turn this into the international show. So uh, stay tuned for all that. And Alan mentioned how to support us. We out. Till next time. Thank you.